Welcome in. I'm Nate. And I'm Ethan. And this is Weekly Neurosis. This is the wild episode. Indeed. I'm going to make the wild look cool in the, the cover art for this one. You better. Some like uh, rainbow colored zebra <laughs> stuff. Okay. I'm going to work that out. Sure. But yeah, this is the wild episode. Pretty awesome episode, I, I got to so. say. I, I was pleasantly so. surprised by both the movie of the week and album of the week. Me as well. And I think, yeah, we'll probably have similar feelings. But happy Star Wars Day, man. Yeah. Happy May the 4th be with you. I'm excited, but it's been an awful day, and I will maybe not have time to watch any Star Wars movie You're going to squeeze at least one in. I'll fall asleep, though. That's, that's... I don't like to fall asleep during movies, but it's happening more and more recently. Funny. Funny how that works. I've noticed that, too. I'll up be like, oh, man, this movie, I'm so excited. And then I and wake up, and it's 5 in the morning, and my alarm's going off, and I'm like, oh, I made it 10 uh, minutes into this movie I wanted to watch. That's like the worst, not the worst feeling, because I'm pretty sure waking up after you've black, been blackout drunk in some strange place is the worst feeling. But when you like fall asleep <laughs> and you wake up like in your clothes in your living room, that's, that's happened to me a few times. I mean, I'm just talking like a Monday night. I have to work in the morning sober falling asleep, though. Yeah. That's still, it's, uh, to me, it's like, I don't know, it's something terrifying. But anyhow, what the wild episode, uh, just to overview what we're going to be doing, we're going to be reviewing the movie of the week, which we saw the Jungle Book uh, yesterday. Yep. Brand new, two, three, three weeks. Just a couple weeks, yeah. A couple weeks out. So, and then also the new album from Explosions in the Sky, The Wilderness. That's correct, Nate. So that's it. That's the episode. And this week, we don't have a beer of the week because tomorrow's Cinco de Mayo. And to honor the zero Mexican heritage that we both have, we're drinking margaritas. <laughs> yeah, from... more of a happy accident. Yep. But that's okay. Hey, man. It works. Well, cheers, buddy. It's tasty. It it's is. sweet. Good stuff. It's tequila-y. It's tasty. I dig it. It sounded like a wind chime. The, uh, like both of them together. Sounds like a storm's coming. <laughs> that could get really annoying really fast. Yes, it could. But, um, yeah, so cool, man. So, um, first we'll do the definition of the word wild. Which is, of course, I don't think it's a noun. It um, is an adjective, and it's of an of animal or plant. So it can be either living or growing in in a, the natural environment, not domesticated or cultivated. And it also can be uncontrolled or unrestrained, especially in pursuit of pleasure. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> so, what does wild mean to you? Well, it's funny because I never look up 
the definition, like the, the book definition of these words before we do this. So I always draw a couple of things I like to talk about down. And with uh, Wild, I kind of wrote down the first thing that comes to my mind is uncontrolled and untamed. And that's, you know, right in the definition you said. And I also think, and I think this especially works with the Jungle Book, the concept of being wild can be, you know, positive in that you're very independent and you're sort of on your own. But it also can mean maybe you're dangerous if you're uncontrolled and you're out of control uh, it could obviously not be a great thing. So where do you draw the line? Is it good to be wild? Is it bad to be wild? How how far d- domesticated should certain things be? And I think it's kind of cool that the Jungle Book very lightheartedly covers that, that concept uh, in an interesting way. Yeah. That's what it means to me, man. How and, about you? Well, for me, I just think like the word wild, if you say like that night was wild or that... Dude, that was wild. That to me, that means just like nuts. Oh, it's control, almost, bro, uh, bro. <laughs> but no, it's like, to me, it's like it's just it's totally like you said, uncontrolled. You just kind of whenever you just totally let loose and do whatever you want, which can be, I think, a, a lot of times that goes pretty wrong. But um, I mean, I, when you're, no, yeah. let, let's be honest, when you're using like using illegal substances or over consuming, but then that's the thing is, it's just like totally out of control. On the flip side. I kind of think of like obviously nature and right. the jungle. Like if you think about the jungle, there's all sorts of weird stuff growing out there. It's kind of its own ecosystem. And I mean, people do use the word wild as a noun too. Like they say the wild, you go yep. into the wild. Yep. And that's, yeah. And I've been watching these, oddly enough, unboxing videos from this thing called Alpha Outpost and a couple of these other box. It's like a monthly box service where you like sure. you order. And Those are really like popular right now. They're really popular and they're really expensive. Like I was for this particular blown one. Away. Well, Alpha Outpost I think is a little cheaper, but there's another one called Battle Box. What do they send you like bullets? Well, <laughs> 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 that'd be awesome. No, but they, it's like it's like survival gear, like GPS. And I was watching this guy unbox it. I was like, wow, this is like some cool stuff. And I looked at it, it was like a, I don't even. And again, don't quote me on this. I think it was like 150 bucks a month. Damn. For this like top tier box, but yeah, there's and those are really popular right now. I almost uh, there's a couple of them that I seemed like interested in, but then I was like, after like three months, I'm yeah. gonna be like, eh. well, they have stuff like the horror block and the uh, uh, loot crate too, which I kind of in the opposite direction of, of the one you were talking about, where it's and, and we're kind of getting off topic here, but whatever. Um, where yeah, you pay this monthly fee and you get this box full of cool stuff. And there's even ones now where you can get, like, a box of movies. Like, they'll send you, like, five random Blu-rays every month for a, a price. But I, did, cool. I had no idea that there was, like, a survival one where they sent you, like... I just picture you opening it and there's like a there's, like, a camo vest and, like, a hunting knife and a guide that says, good luck, and, like, a grenade <laughs> or something. Good luck <laughs> as your house blows up around you. <laughs> no, but it, the Alpha Outpost, it was more... Um, how do I describe it? it they were, like, themes. Oh, okay. So one of them was like the gentleman, and it was like Scotch glasses and like Scotch rocks and that's like, pretty cool, like stuff like that. And then, but then it mixed it up like the next week where it was more survival based, and you got like a knife. It was and like stuff man like stuff. Yeah, it's totally man. You can then again, you could be a woman and totally enjoy that. Yeah, stuff, you know so. what I mean. Like traditionally, traditional you know, as society makes us understand things masculine. <laughs> But no, damn, and, damn you, society. Yeah, there's but there's tons of them, and they were like city specific ones too. Like you can get one that's just nothing but stuff made in Austin. So Apparently if Austin it's from Austin, cool. it's like a flannel shirt, some Tito's vodka. What else do they and have? And it's all been there? used, like a comic book or something. Yeah, and it's all been used and <laughs> yeah. kind of slightly worn. It smells like cheap cigarettes and 
<laughs> and craft beer. <laughs> uh, but that's that's the the box conversation. But uh, the big news that came out today, and I don't know if you heard about yeah, drop this, this on me. But Apple Music is planning a massive overhaul of their service, which we both utilize. Um, but they're going to make it more intuitive, is what they said. And today. what does that mean? Do you think? You know, I what what I like kind of take it to mean is I like I feel like right now on Apple Music, like you and I listen to a lot of music, so we kind of know roughly what we're looking for. And granted, a lot of times I'll just pick on a random genre of music and just listen to you know the A list as they have now. Right. Or sometimes I'll just go into the new releases and like pick something random I've never heard of. But yeah, in general, yeah, you're right. I kind of know what I'm looking for. But yeah, and they they're gonna make it apparently more intuitive. They it was a pretty generic news release. Um, mm. But my guess is they're gonna make it like a little bit more knowing what you want, or maybe like uh, that's how I kind of read it is that it's going to they're gonna make it so by you know making some type of algorithm, they can just boom you like metal music. Boom, Nate, you like hip-hop Well, they music sort of again. do that now, don't they, though? It's not very comprehensive, though. That's that's true, because when you, at least on the on the iPhone, when I'm on uh, Apple Music, it has sort of a couple different tabs, and the main tab, it'll say, like, for you, and it'll recommend playlists, and it can be anything from music to wake up to, or intro to this band or that band, or greatest hits from this person, but yeah, it definitely, it, it's very kind of loosely based on bands you follow because you can go to groups and hit follow and that's i mean the simplest way to sort of introduce you to new stuff but very rarely have i gone on to apple music and it introduced something to me that i've never heard before right and and i mean i think i don't know i think i when i have the my for you page i i do have some knocks on it because it is so like all over there but then again i like all sorts of music so it's it's hard I, i almost feel bad for my my phone, because it has to try to figure this out and say, like, well, you, you probably like this. Half the time, it's stuff I'm just like, oh, you know, fuck that. And... <laughs> but no, it's, I, we'll see. More intuitive, that's pretty Well, I wonder if it's, a, if it's a whole overhaul. I wonder, um, I mean, if they're going to redesign it. Because to be totally honest, I've been using Apple Music since, like, November now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm used to it, but I do not think it's the cleanest design. And to be even more frank, I think that how it utilized your Apple Music library, in quotes, and your pre-existing iTunes library was terrible. Mm -hmm. It was terrible. I had, I mean, and and maybe this isn't a a problem for some other people, but I had a pretty big library of like 20,000 songs, even more than that. You had way more than that. Yeah, like a ton of songs that were physically on my hard drive. And when I went into Apple Music, you have to have your music cloud on and all this stuff so it does it uploads it to the iCloud but not really and unless you have it on you can't access iClouds and what it has basically done is made downloading albums that are in my library it's confusing so if i go to download something that it was in the Apple Music library but i also had an iTunes it'll download like two of every song and i've spent hours trying to figure it out and to the point where i actually if I, if i ever put music on my phone that is on my hard drive and not in Apple Music. I have a different app called Style Jukebox that's all cloud-based, and it's a completely third-party system that I use for that instead of trying to sync stuff up just because it's a pain in the butt. So I hope they work on that because I was online doing some researching, and there was a lot of people who were like, this is confusing. How? I mean, I've had a huge library before, and now you're making it way more confusing than it ought to be. 
And maybe that's not as big of an issue because I, I know not everybody has a giant music library, at least, you know, collected in one place like that. Yeah. And I think also, too, I would hope they make the, the 3G streamlined a little bit more. If you're like, not if you don't have internet access, if you're just in your car listening to an album, that can that can kind of, it's a little bit jammed up a little bit. And sometimes, for some reason, there are songs that just won't play. Yeah, and it, you it can't play them, and it just jams. And it I just think some of that next, does have next. to do with your signal, but, and I know they kind of have this in place, but yeah, it absolutely doesn't work all the time. They should have more of kind of like a YouTube uh, system where if you're if if the, if whatever you're streaming through detects that you're not getting as much information because you have a worse signal on your phone or whatever, it should be streaming at a lower bit rate. And granted, it's not going to sound as good, but at least you're going to be able to listen to it. Yeah. Um, so maybe oh, I, I I think I would think that at this point in Apple Music, they have the funds to really do an overhaul like this. So this is good news, and I'm, I'm I'll be looking forward to it. But I'm guessing it'll be like it won't be rolled out independently, right? I bet you they'll roll it out with like the next big iOS update or something. Probably. And they said here they on Bloomberg Technology they said that. Um, it's the first iteration of the product was met with tepid reviews and several executives brought in to revive the company's music strategy departed. Wow. So that's, uh, that's pretty shocking. I thought they were doing pretty good. Well, I think they're, I, I do think it's a good service. And I just think the fact that it's Apple and they're, they're so closely partnered. I mean, this is basically hand in hand with iTunes. Their whole streaming service isn't just going to go away. But yeah, I do think they could clean it up a bit. But for what I use it for, I go on... I download an album. I download the songs as well, so they're on my phone, so I don't have to worry about streaming. And that's a piece of cake. Yeah. That's what I like to do. Yeah. And for me, I mean, the initial draw was I could listen to any song that I wanted to. Right. It was just, if I wanted to listen to the song, I could just go and do it. I didn't have to download it or go to YouTube or anything like that. So. Sure. I think a a lot of people, if you'd even try the sample for, isn't it two months? Three months. Three months. Even once you're through that you're going to be like if you're well, a music fan you're going to be like oh well wow, that was my thing great. we went to hawaii and i was like well i get three free months of this that means i don't have to worry like we can always have music when we're driving around or whatever and after three months was up i was like i'm keeping this are yeah. you kidding me this oh, is yeah. awesome yeah and it helps with this with this show obviously i don't oh, think yeah. we could do it without it yeah it would be harder but we could do it but yeah. it's definitely makes it easier and i just like having access because it's not just new music either it'll be like man i haven't heard this album in forever i wonder if they have it and nine times out of ten they will yeah i mean more than that like 99 times out of 100 they'll have what i'm looking for yeah well that's that and when we we'll take a break and when we come back we'll do the uh, movie of the week the jungle book this is the wild episode and uh, weekly neurosis we'll be right back
Happy Neurosis, I'm Nate. And I'm Drake. You're Drake now? Yep. Yep. Hotline Blank. No, my name's Ethan. Is, yeah. I was going to say, that'd be pretty weird if Drake was actually down here. <laughs> it would be pretty weird. I, I don't know what the, the first question I'd ask him would be. What was it like working on Degrassi, the next generation? That's probably, I probably would say that. What's up with, what's up with the CW, bro? No, no, Bruh. no, 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 bro. No, Degrassi, the next generation was Canadian. Canadian? Isn't CW Canada? I don't friggin' know. I'm just talking right now. I think, no, CW is like the Canadian. Canadian Warner Brothers? Yes. Yeah, I look like stupid that. then. I think, <laughs> I don't know. I, it could be wrong. I'm going to Google it quick. Google it. CW. Check it out. Drake. Degrassi. The official the site next. of. Is it Canadian? Because see, there's the a CW Television Network. What is CW? The CW Television Network. Uh, country, United States, and Canada. We've gotten nowhere. Let's gotten talk nowhere. about the movie we're going to talk about. Let's do that. And this week, the movie of the week was The Jungle Book. It's a brand new, three-week-old release. Not super new. But the plot is that the man-cub Mowgli flees the jungle after a threat from Tiger Shere Khan. Guided by Bagdira, the panther, and the bear Baloo, uh, Mowgli embarks on a journey of self-discovery. Though he also meets creatures who don't have his best interests at heart, uh, the cast, which obviously are one actor and a series of voice actors, um, Neely Sethi, Bill Murray, Ben Kingsley, Idris, Idris Elba, Lupita Ningoyo, Ningo, 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 Scarlett Johansson, Giancarlo, I always get the ones with the hard name, Giancarlo Esposito, Esposito, and Christopher Hawken. Uh, <laughs> the crew is directed by John Favreau, produced by John Favreau and um, Brignam Taylor, and screenplay by Mark Markets or Justin Markets, and music by John Debney, and cinematography by Bill Pope. The filming location was a studio because it's all CGI in Los Angeles. Um, and the notes are that the movie is based off the classic book, uh, The Jungle Book, written by Runyard Kip Kipling. Um, principal photography took place entirely, as I just mentioned, on the sound stages at the LA Center Studios in downtown Los Angeles. Um, the animal characters were created in keyframe computer animation with the assistance of footage from real animal movements. Ethan. Wow. My mind just exploded. No, tell me what you think. Yeah, so this was pretty great, I thought. Um, I guess I did have pretty high expectations going in, though, because I had heard, I mean, this got just rave reviews from critics and audiences alike, and um, so I was pretty pumped. I'm a big fan of John Favreau, the director, you know, Iron Man, Swingers, Chef. He's a good, solid director, and um, yeah, this really did, didn't disappoint me. It was pretty much exactly what I thought. I thought, uh, you know, its special effects were spectacular. I mean, maybe some of the best CGI I've ever seen. I still am processing the fact that this was filmed on a soundstage. That's very, very tough to accept seeing how uh, uh, convincing the the scenery and everything is in this movie. It's kind of unbelievable. And yeah, it's. Just, I thought it was really funny. It was really exciting. It's a great family movie. I mean, it's definitely meant for younger audiences, but it's surprisingly intense and, and violent in some parts, I thought. Um, and outside of a couple gripes I have with it, I thought this was really excellent. Yeah, and I was in the same boat. I it is it it still has not like come around full circle for me that this wasn't filmed in any sort of jungle at all. And when you actually put that into, if you can fit that into your mind, which I think that's a huge thing to kind of overcome with the film. 
Um, it, it, the, everything else I thought was amazing, but I, I think this is a, a perfect family film. I get that. I agree with you. It was surprisingly violent in some parts, mm-hmm. um, but just top to bottom and the voice acting and how the characters looked, you can't, I mean, you can say casting, but it, it just, it fit. Everything kind of fit together very, very nicely. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I think the main kind of draw about this movie is in a lot of ways, the special effects. And it's not just the environments and stuff and how when they're in an open plane, it looks like an open plane or they're on top of a mountain. It looks like you're on top of a mountain. I think that's a little bit easier than making, because we've seen that before, maybe not to this this level of perfection, but what really blew me away was a lot of these CGI characters. And we have talking animals in here, right? And they have, in this particular movie, it's it's a trend nowadays. It wasn't a trend, you know, let's say 20, 30 years ago to have when animals in films talk, uh, to have their mouths move. And they do move in this. Um, there's lots of close-ups on the animals. And I would say pretty much every talking animal in this movie looked so good that there were, there were, I was maybe 50% of the time, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that it was a CGI creation. I think especially King Louis, who if you're familiar with the Jungle Book and, you know, the classic Disney film or the book or whatever, obviously a, a pretty major character in the movie. Um, he in particular, who was voiced by Chris, Christopher Walken, looked so good that, I, I mean, I was like kind of in awe. Like I was stunned with how good all the CGI in here looked to the point where, it's very seldom that when you're watching a movie that's the special effects heavy where you think to yourself, well, I know this isn't real because you can tell, but I'm still enjoying it. This was one of the first times I've sat through a movie like this and thought, legitimately thought to myself, I can't tell. And that's pretty amazing. And that's besides the story and everything. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, everything... Just and the scenery too. It, it's one thing to say, you know, look at it and say, well, they're they're on a mountain or they're in a field or they're you know doing this, but it had the feel of it too, which was just incredible. I think I, I agree. The CGI characters, especially with the animals, were were amazing. And I don't, I haven't seen videos of how they made it. I kind of wonder how how Mobley interacted with the characters. I would assume it's some sort of suit. Yeah. That, they, if, if, if not a suit or somebody on stage, a lot of times they'll have like tennis balls or something for eye lines. So the, 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 the human actors in scene look like they're looking into the eyes of another character when there's not actually anybody there. Crazy. And that actually sort of ties into with a small criticism I have, but I don't want to talk about that yet. Because I do think, too, in terms of this movie, you know, as a sit-down and entertaining movie, it's pretty successful. It's short, which is nice because mm-hmm. there's not so much substance here that you need anything longer than 90 minutes. And this was just barely over 90 minutes, I believe. Um, but it was always, it, it's always introducing new characters and new situations. That's fun. I don't think it dragged for a moment. I mean, it was always either jaw droppingly, uh, gorgeous or it was exciting. And, you know, granted, I think having seen the original and being familiar with the story, maybe that takes away some of it for me. So, cause I knew how this was going to end. If you're familiar with jungle book, there's, yeah, you know, right. There's really no su- surprises here. And that's, and that's fine because I think if you're a kid or if you've, even if you've never seen the original before and you're older, I mean, if this is the first version of this, you see good for you because this, I mean, this is probably the best version there's been of this story. I, I would agree. I think, and this is, this is a modern version of the story. I think it, it'd be almost impossible to. Well, you couldn't do a real life thing with animals, but it. I think this is the modern a modern child. This is what their understanding is probably going to even in their minds. I would say look look like 
I know that sounds kind of strange, but you know, in terms of how graphic arts are progressing and getting better and better and better, this is probably what they're kind of used to. But I thought the shortness worked. I know people can say like, Oh, it's only night, you know, you're in and out, but it, it didn't feel short necessarily. It felt kind of like the perfect length. Yeah. It doesn't need to be any longer than it is. Yeah. So it, it, it worked, that worked really nicely, but the storyline too, just, it progresses, it, it moves fairly quickly, I'd say, but it keeps you kind of in the loop. There's never a time where I was like, what the, you know, what's going on here, you know, or anything like that. Well, you know, if it's made for a younger audience, it's got to be, it's got to sort of be like that. But, you know, I'm, I think older audiences, if you have kids, this is like the perfect movie to take them to. If they're too young, it might be a little scary though. Because like we said, it is surprisingly intense and even violent in a couple scenes, nothing of course, nothing graphic. Nothing this, grotesque. This movie no. is P, PG, so I mean that says a lot right there. But uh, keeping it PG. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? There was a live action version of this movie done in the '90s, which I actually grew up watching a lot. But the difference between this live action version and that one is that was a t- like a total retelling of the Jungle Book, where Mowgli was grown up, and yeah, he lived with all the animals and all that stuff. But none of in in that version, none of them could talk or anything. He just existed out there and. They worked together, and I even think Shere Khan wasn't even a bad guy in parts of it. It was totally different. It was more more or less Mowgli against like this evil group of human beings. Um, because up until this point, to make a movie this convincing with talking characters where a human being could interact with them, I don't think it's really been possible. No. So I think they sort of struck this at the right moment because it's the technology is there. Um, all the voice acting in there and everything is there to make this movie as as good as it ended up being. Yeah. And I have to say my favorite character was probably um, Idris Elba as, as Sher- he was just... The, scary, man. He was scary and it was his voice. His voice was the most scariest thing. And Idris just, Elba is so awesome. He's so, his voice is, I realize, so dominant. It it's is. So, and it's like, it's dominant, but it's dark and it's scary. And I think he was the best cast. Christopher Walken was pretty solid. For that character. Yeah, it was kind of funny. This isn't a spoiler, but there was, I, I remember watching it and we, we briefly mentioned it when the movie was done that when they introduced King Louis' character, it's almost like a homage to Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Where yeah. he's like in the shadows and he's rubbing his hand on his head, kind of talking ominously. I was like, man, this really reminds me of, you know, the end of uh, uh, Apocalypse Now with Marlon Brando and all that stuff. Yeah. And of course, he they kind of made King Louis like a straight up mobster. So Christopher Walken was sort of perfect for that. Yeah. But I thought Bill Murray is blue. He was, he was yeah. my favorite. I think he was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. There's and I, you can't say anything because it would spoil it. But there's yeah. There's some hilarious moments. Yeah. But I, I guess if I had any major negatives to this movie, my main thing I already kind of mentioned is that this being in a way a remake or another version of this book. If you've seen it before, there's no surprises, and that does sort of weigh in a little bit of fatigue with a story like this, where you question, like, was this really necessary? Seeing the end results, sure, absolutely, but I, I don't think I would have been overly upset if they never made this movie, so I guess that kind of weighed in my mind. But the biggest negative I had was I thought the main kid, Neil, whatever his name is, was very hit or miss in his performance. Mm-hmm. And I sort of give him the benefit of a doubt, because like we said, he's really the only live-action person we see in the movie and there's a couple of exceptions in very brief moments but this is a kid who i don't think has ever been in a movie before or at least nothing like this so i give i tend to give him the benefit of the doubt in that he was working with nothing honest that he was working with people in goofy suits or tennis balls or something and there were definitely moments where i felt that the kid 
was not bringing the dramatic weight. But it was spotty because there were other moments where I thought he was really good too. It wasn't yeah. a huge problem, but it was something I thought of. And he actually, was, yeah, he was, and he was kind of sort. I don't want to say a, a total negative for me, but yeah, I had him as a plus. It was kind of a plus minus. So I guess you could interpret that as a hit or miss because there were a few scenes where I think I really do think that it was just he had nothing to go on. You know, he he just didn't have. And again, I don't know how actors work, but it's yeah. He was he was very very. I wouldn't say it was like a 50% in terms of his performance, but yeah, he, he I missed think, I think he missed I wrote few, down yeah. it was like three quarters great and one one quarter just eh, because he was never terrible. Yeah, no, and... But just... my wife said she thought he was awful, so I don't know if that says anything. She thought he was terrible, and she actually didn't like the movie very much because of him, so I guess that's wow. worth throwing out there. I thought that was maybe a little harsh, but hey, she can have her own opinion. That's true. <laughs> right, it's your opinion, Rocket. But yeah, and, yeah I think... my. My biggest negative was, to your point, I don't really think... I think if this... Is, I should say, it's very easy to play this movie safe. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that the reason they did all this super, you know, balls to the walls, fancy CGI, I think that's what kind of differentiates it. But mm-hmm. otherwise, you can't really go wrong if you tell the story as is and create this... They created a magical, magical environment. Right, because the story is sort of a win, yeah, no matter no what, because it's such a classic. And it's a, it's like brand. We were talking about the superheroes a few episodes back. It's the same thing. It's that brand name recognition that draws people out and, and right. kind of gets people excited. Right, and Disney's on this kick now. Where last year they did Cinderella in a much updated version, which was also very good and very well received. And this is the same story. And I would imagine they're going to continue doing that with their sort of classic animated movies. It would be interesting to see if they did something like The Lion King. Um, in a fashion like this, that would be interesting. But uh, they have a, but uh, the, you know, it, it's topic. definitely it's one you could really get into the debate on if this is necessary or not because you're going to get people who are like, well, just go watch the original. It's not that much different. Blah blah blah. But you have to keep in mind, I think, especially younger audiences, if you put the original 1967 Jungle Book and the 2016 one, they're going to pick this one because it's more in tune with their sensibilities, the special effects that they're used to from uh, other films and everything. It's just a more modern-looking movie. And I think if I was given the choice, I would pick this version, too. Because I, I thought it was great. But, yeah, you could really get into the debate on, is it necessary to remake these movies? Are they mm-hmm. just making money? And I think if they're going to put this much effort into them, go for it. Go retell them. Re- reimagine them for younger audiences. These st- stories are timeless for a reason. There's nothing wrong with telling them over and over again. Agreed. And I, I agree. The amount of When you understand how CGI is made and the amount of work that goes into it, there's a lot of hours spent on this film. Yeah. In terms of everything, and it's it's totally beautiful. Mm-hmm. But what would you rate this, 1 to 10? Uh, I'm going to give it a solid 8.5 out of 10. Um, again, thought it was just a great, exciting family movie. Lots of humor. Just stunning special effects, some of the best I've ever seen. And it was it's short, it's to the point. It was great. I loved it. Other than the couple of things I complained about, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, and I had a, a solid 8.0. Nice. I think, I think it, again, it is to me. It's a, it's just, it's not something they had to like think up from scratch in terms sure. of you know a concept. And I thought Mowgli was okay. Don't didn't think he was horrible. I think that I agreed. I maybe might agree. It's a little bit harsh, but <laughs> it's it's a kid who's probably on a stage with but, tennis you know, balls for eyes. Just to stuff. kind of talk about that too. It's it's easy to kind of excuse a younger kid for giving a sort of ant performance, mm-hmm. but then you look at somebody like the kid from the movie Room. And then you kind of realize, is there really an excuse? Yeah. Because I've seen kids younger than this guy knock it out of the park. So is it really an excuse? I think in this case, 
I think this movie was doing a lot of cutting edge things that the kid in room wasn't having to deal with. He wasn't having to look at a tennis ball and pretend he was talking to his mother, who's also a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Brie Larson, midway through room, just turns into turns a wolf. Turns into a wolf. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be great. But no, I, yeah, and uh, kid performances, I, I feel like when they're bad it's kind of like people are like okay well it's just a kid but when it's like good it's either like a it's a negative or a positive you can either be jake lloyd in the phantom menace Mm -hmm. or you can be jacob tremblay in room those are your polar opposites right there yep those are that's perfectly polar opposite and i like the phantom menace for the record for the record Yeah, good movie though. I'd, yeah. I'd say if you, even though it's a kids' movie, go see it. I was a little, I'll be honest, I was a little bit. I don't want to say put off because that's the wrong word. Um, almost confused by the previews because I was like, what's what's all a kid preview? And I was like, oh yeah, we're not going to see. Oh some right, movie right, right. Where... Isn't that funny? How if you see a movie <laughs> like this, it's like all animated movies. Yeah, it's so weird. But at the theater, and we'll kind of get a little bit off topic here. But I was very excited to see that they now serve beer at a movie theater. I think that's way overdue. It's pretty great. Because right, to me, it's like, it's not a, you know, and that's the thing is if you go to the theater, like an actual play, they serve, they'll push alcohol on you in a second, Yeah, you know? And I think if, if you want to go see a movie, you should be able to obviously responsibly enjoy a beer. Yeah, I saw, I saw Purple Rain in the theater last Friday and uh, there was a group of ladies sitting in front of us who were just going to town on some wine. Every, like, 20 minutes, they were getting up and bringing back some Going wine. ham. I think it's pretty cool, though, that, yeah, they have that option. And it's, they you know, it's not the most spectacular selection. It's like the, like, I would drink Fat Tire and Guinness, some of that stuff on there. But uh, the fact that I can't complain that there's beer available. Yeah. How cool and is this that? Is, and then again, this, I don't know out west what they do at their theaters. I know that I've been to theaters uh, in Madison, the, um, oh, what's that? It's Sundance, like right? Sundance Theater. You can get beer there, and they actually the beer is normally five seventy five, but for some reason can't figure out it figured out to this day. PBR is a buck fifty. Nice. So I was like, oh heck yeah! I got two big tall boys at PBR and went and watched. Uh, <laughs> can't remember which. I think it was. Oh, a, a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. That nice. was that time. And then you were confused by the end of it because you drank too much and like, it was hard to follow. Oh, oh. <laughs> Raw, that's that is not a film to get drunk to. That's for no. sure. You have to remember remember everything. No. Up until the end, not really. It's like getting drunk and watching The Witch, and then halfway through it, you just hang yourself because <laughs> it's the most depressing thing you've ever seen. In and your then life. Black and Jacob, and you're sitting there, you're in Black Philip, or Black Philip, Black Jacob. Was it Black Philip? Yeah, it was, no, it was Black Philip. I'm a moron. Uh, but um, yeah, so beer, and we could be so far behind the trend of the the world. Well, no, because I do think it's a thing that's in certain chains, but this is the main chain in the Midwest, yeah, the Marcus. Marcus. And to see that there, at least, I don't know if this is in every Marcus, because the the one that, and it's actually very close to my house, it's like less than a mile away, which is sweet, but um, it's sort of like the main theater in the, in the whole area of all the neighboring cities. There's theaters in pretty much every neighboring city, but this is like the main one, and there's like a restaurant and stuff in there now. It's nothing crazy fancy, it's burgers and chicken. It kind of reminds me of like a cul- like a Culver's. If you're familiar, you might not, those listening Midwest, might not know what a Culver's is. Chain. But it's like a like just a sit down fast food kind of place. They try to dan- kind of dress it up a little bit in the pre- in the oh yeah advertisements with their Put a little flag in it and sizzler sizzler sauce. sauce which is, <laughs> I was like what sizzler the- seasoning. It's probably like pepper and 
cumin and yeah just basic stuff anytime someone says that it always brings me back to harold and kumar the first the very first movie when they go to this one fast food joint and they can't remember the name of the actor but anthony Ma- uh, anthony daniel thomas oh. Eno. oh i know who you're talking about yeah and he's in the fast food chain and he's like going nuts he's in that show blackish yeah Oh man, well, Anthony Anderson? No. And I think it might be. But he says in that in that that one scene, he's like, It's I'll tell you about the secret sauce. You know what the ingredient is? Semen. It's semen. And that's all he says. No, he says horse <laughs> semen. Horse semen. But it's like Anthony Anderson. Yeah. But that's oh. all I ever think about is and when then he's like, like let's, burn this, let's burn this motherfucker down. Pookie. Pookie, let's run. <laughs> Uh, this is this, this is, is so funny. This is film nerding at its best. Well, what's funny is though, like just going, like you said, it reminded you of Culver's, and they have like ice cream and all that stuff yeah. too. When I was looking, like, because we got a April and I got a Sunday. Yes, April's my wife. If you, if, you know, if you don't know, she's anyway, been mentioned on the show before. Has she? All right. Well, her name's April. But anyways, was, mm. she wanted a, a Sunday, so we got a Sunday, and I was sitting there as they were making it, and I just felt like. I mean, it looked like a fast food restaurant. I, I felt like there was a drive through window somewhere, but there wasn't a drive through window anywhere. That'd be awesome. Well, Go to the movie, really... pick up a rental, <laughs> get, your, get your Sizzler burger. With his waffles. In a fat tire. Not to mention, not to knock the ad too much, but the guy's not Mr. Personality. Like, they could have found someone else to, like, like Aaron Rodgers or something like that. <laughs> and just... I think they spent all their money remodeling like a hundred <laughs> theaters. They're just like we're broke. Uh, but on to our high priority news items: Ghostbusters, mm. the remake. A little bit of controversy. Some heavy controversy because people are saying it's not the best film ever made. Well, the tra- just the trailer, just the point. trailer. Nobody, nobody knows what the movie's so, like. Not the reverse of trailer. Trailer lust. It's the other part. Trailer hate. Because, yeah, they released the trailer, you know, two, three months ago, and as of now, it holds the remake for the most disliked trailer of all time in terms of number of viewers versus thumbs down. It has the highest ratio ever. It has, like, over 500,000 thumbs down, and there's a bit of controversy um, that's coinciding with this where some people are claiming, and this has been a controversy ever since they announced the casting in this movie was that... Uh, they, they were not replacing, but they were just doing this remake or reboot or whatever it really is uh, with female characters, right? And uh, so a lot of articles I'm reading are speculating that the main reason people are disliking this trailer is because it has women in it instead of, you know, men who in the original, obviously, it was Bill Murray, uh, a bunch of other people I can't remember for some reason. Um, but what do, you, what do you think about that? What do, what do you think about I, the idea that it, it's because it's women in there? I don't think it has anything to do with the gender of the actors. I, I really think, and we talked about this off air, that this is pretty much what to expect out of the cast. Almost down to a T, and they throw in... Um, and, and we're talking Melissa McCarthy, McCarthy, Kristen Wiig. Yep. And then just that's that's all they've done, you know, because that's and that's the thing is you, you can't really knock the actors for that because that's what their marketability is. But to have it done again and again and again, and, and that's that's the, I think that's the reason that at least the trailer is getting knocked. Right. Because the movie has absolutely the potential to be just to be fine. good. It could be because, again, you're, you're trying to you're talking about two minutes or I don't know how long the trailer is, two to three minutes, yeah, usually, two minutes or you know, something. and that compared to the length of a movie is obviously a big difference. But I think that 
I, we talked about this with Suicide Squad in previous episodes. They might relaunch the trailer or kind of create something, go at it at a different angle. I don't know that they can, but I, I don't think this has anything even remotely to do with the gender of the actresses. Yeah, I think the potential is there. Yeah. And for me personally, I am one of the people who I do not care for this trailer. I do not think the movie looks great. But uh, I tell you with 100% honesty that it is not because that there are women in this movie. Um, and I think if that were the case, uh, the movies that these very, very famous uh, and very talented women are in, um, their other movies would have similar receptions uh, in their trailers. But uh, we all know that Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig are especially very popular. Comedic. Very talented. And I, th- and I don't, I mean, again, I didn't care for this trailer and I could care less if they're men or women. I just felt like you're remaking one of the most popular sort of cult iconic original products from the 80s. Um, and while very much so the trailer looks like it's keeping the I- central idea intact, by adding all this very, very kind of by-the-number slapstick humor, loud yelling, falling down humor we've seen a thousand times before, it doesn't just look tired as a comedy. I think it feels lazy when you're remaking such a classic. I think that's what the issue... The issue I have with this is... I don't even think it looks terrible. I just think it looks kind of eh. But when you add that extra layer of... This is a remake of a classic... Or a reboot of a classic... You, you're you drawing extra scrutiny. And I do think that it looks a little bit lazy. But hey, this movie could be great. The director, Paul Feig... He made Bridesmaid with a lot of these same actors yeah. and actresses. And they and that movie was pretty great. And that He's movie was very He's gotten good performances out of these actresses before. So... And, right. And again, it's it's a trailer. Let's just kind of put it at that. But sure. again, kind of again from the trailer looks like a lot of the same stuff we've been seeing over and over. Right, because I'm sure I mean uh, there I guarantee there are people out there who are just against the idea of, you know, having a a, a women-led film like this because at, when Mad Max came out, when the new Star Wars film came out, when the trailer for the next Star Wars film came out, uh there was a, a relatively small but existent group of people who would say things like, we're sick of this quote-unquote feminist agenda being pushed on us. And if that's really what you want to think, oh, okay, that's a little scary and a little insane to me. But uh, I don't think, I mean, if you want to believe in that conspiracy, that's your thing. Um, So this isn't any new kind of opposition or anything. I think it's kind of a bad conclusion to jump to, to say that it's because Men hate women and they don't want to see them in their trailer. I think in this film's case, the just the trailer just doesn't look that great. Yeah, um, it's unfortunate though that there are people out there who like that, who are like that, who don't want to see women in a role like this. Because I think the people we see, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, I can't remember anybody else, and I feel stupid because I know there's the the woman from uh, Orange Is the New Black. Is okay. one I don't of watch the that. Actresses. So, but uh, yeah, I mean they're all very talented. I just feel like. The trailer just looked a little. It looked. It made the movie look lazy to me. Yeah, predictable. Too. Right, and so. and it's again, it's Ghostbusters. I'm not the biggest Ghostbusters fan in the world, so I don't have like any, you know, connection with the, with this story or this or, or the movie or anything. But uh, I do want it to be good, and I do think that a lot of these movies are very generic, and they have that kind of lowest common denominator sense of humor that doesn't work for me. Um. And that's why I didn't particularly care for the trailer. So the fact that so many people are jumping to the conclusion that, well, it's because men hate women, I think that's doing just as much harm as it is good. And I think it's maybe coming from a a well-intentioned place for somebody to say that. 
is somebody who's concerned about that. And that is a genuine concern to have. But when you jump at that right out of the gate, I don't think it necessarily makes you look great. Well, it kind of had the the makings of, you know, just, and, and that's the thing is when people say something's bad, you instantly try to find an excuse for why said thing is bad. And that's, I think, at this point, the argument. But again, it could be, again, this is th- a very, very small segment of a, a whole movie. Sure. I don't think they really gave anything too... I mean, obviously, Ghostbusters are going to fight ghosts, but... Well, we got no, Slimer yeah. in there from the original. That's pretty yeah. cool. So I think, again, who knows? Chris Hemsworth is like the... That's who I was trying to remember. Cause, and that's to me, that's like a little bit predictable. Really? You add in Chris Hemsworth to, oh, the ladies are going to love Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like... But they got him made up like a big old nerd in this one. They put yeah. big, thick glasses on him. I don't think so. Come on. That guy okay. could put glasses on and he... That's true. That's true. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And again, yeah, I'm not crazy about the trailer, but will I be there watching this movie in theaters? It'll probably be the movie yeah. of the week. And you know what? When does it come out? I, I totally, July. July. Okay, so but, and you summer. know what? I, I would almost be willing to put money down on the fact that this movie turns out getting great reviews because Paul Feig, the dude who's directing it, he the last two movies he did, not the last two, but some of the latest movies he did was Spy, which was very good. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy, very good in that movie. And uh, Bridesmaids, which was a, like a mega hit when it came out. So this dude has a winning track record. Um, he was handed this property for a reason, and even though the trailer was, he probably had nothing to do with how this trailer was put together. Some, yeah, probably some marketing marketing I think, department or I think whatever. Maybe what happened was the studio saw that the films that Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig fans are are uh, known for are kind of a lot of this slapsticky humor, and they were going off of that, and they kind of overlooked the fact that this is first and foremost a Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. So that's the audience you should be advertising it for, and right. I think that was the issue here. Yeah, I'm again. I'm sure it'll be a, a fine film. But on to our uh, by the numbers segment, the weekly segment where we break down the top five grossing films in the United States of America and the occasional flops that do occur in modern cinema. So, do you want to start it off? I'll start. Okay, so number five is Barbershop: The Next Cut, and that's falling from number three. Yes, number three, and then this is its third week. Uh, in theaters, and it made six point one million this weekend, so a total gross of forty four point six million. I think this movie had like a sub ten million dollar budget as well, so and a pop popular series too. Yeah, and it, I know it's been a. I think we talked about it how it had been a while since one of these movies came out, so yeah, it's doing pretty good for itself. And number four was Mother's Day, the brand new release um, from ORF. I haven't seen that one. Hmm in the abbreviations, but it grossed uh, $8.3 million. This is its first week, so that is its gross with a budget of $25 million. High, well, not a high bill cast, because usually when there's one of these movies with all these f- famous actors and actresses. Yeah. But, and it yeah, got just awful reviews. I heard too. it was horrible. I'll be It didn't real. look great. And, and you know what? And <laughs> I think a lot of people were confused. Well, why did this come out the week before Mother's Day weekend? It's because... Civil War, Avenger, or uh, Captain America's Civil War is coming out this week, and I don't think they wanted to compete there, but I think this movie was, I don't know, not yeah. for me. <laughs> not destined uh, for greatness. No. Um, which is unfortunate, because you look at a cast that there's so many talent. That's what blows my mind about those like ensemble, cutesy, romantic movies. Like There's so many great people in them, and it's just they're always just so half-assed. Yeah. It's such a bummer. All right, anyways, uh, number three, down from number two the week before, it was Huntsman, Winter's War. 
uh, that which made $9.3 million this weekend, so a total of uh, just under $34 million uh, on a budget of $115 million. So that there is a big old flopper. Flop rude. alert. <laughs> no, and I don't know. I've heard mixed mixed thoughts yeah, slash just, reviews about this film. Just a weird sequel, I think. Yeah, and yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that they needed to re re kind of go down that area, but yeah. they did. And I don't think. I wonder internationally. I didn't look up its international numbers. Could, could be. I don't think it did very yeah, good anyway. <laughs> but uh, it's actually the number one film in China right now. Just kidding. No. Number two is the brand new release, Keanu, uh, which grossed a total amount of $9.45 million. That is its gross. Uh, this is its first week on a very, very small budget. $15 million. Of $15 million. I lost my spot on my iPad. That's first, fine. First world problems. And that's Key and Peele, right? That's Key and Peele. If you're a Key and Peele fan, I've heard this is a good film to go see. That's what I hear. Again, if you're a Key and Peele fan. All right, and then number one is Jungle Book. Uh, made a pretty amazing uh, 42... Sorry, I'm having trouble reading this. $42.4 million this weekend. with a, So a, a total gross of... Um, 250 okay i was reading this wrong i was like why did it say i I, okay i'll explain why i'm stuttering so much here i thought i was reading that this came out this week and it had made 42 million but its total gross is 252 this is its third week out and the jungle book is still number one and it's made 42.4 million this last weekend with a total gross of 252 million so obviously big bucks here um Disney hit another home run. I'm sure this has done well overseas as well. And, uh, yeah. you know, rightfully so. This is a solid film. And I think it's, yeah, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty popular story overseas yeah. too. I, I would from imagine. What I so it's so universal. There's no, there's no heavy handed message in, in any political sense. There's no, I mean, it's all in the, there's a bunch of talking animals. How could you not love that? And the, honestly, and if you watch the movie too, the kid could be kind of from anywhere. Yeah, you know, true. he didn't really. He he's got darkerish skin, right? Like he could, you know, he could be Italian, he could be Indian, he could be Hispanic. I got the be... sense that from like you saw a couple other people in the movie. I got a sense that it was like Turkish. And there's there's another one. He could be Turkish. I don't know. That was the he only thing. Like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter because it's such a good story. But he he was very. He looked universal. Yeah, he looked like a future human. Like in a hundred years, in like a thousand years, everybody on the planet is going to look like that after all the races have intermingled. Das future human. Das future human. And there's no more white or black or any of that crap that makes people go crazy. We'll all be just confusing the same looking awesome human beings. Everyone you ask, when you ask them, where are you from? They're going to say, Earth. Everywhere. When we're talking to Klingons, we'll be like, I'm from Earth. I'm from Earth. All right. When we come back, we're going to review our album of the week, which is from Explosions in the Sky, The Wilderness. We're from everywhere. We'll be right back.
talking to Weekly Neurosis. Hey, Nate. What's up, man? How has it been? It's been good. Happy back-to-back day, good days, right? Well, your day was bad, but you, I had may, a terrible get, you may get to watch. You may get to watch a little bit of Star Wars. I just Wars. want to go home and watch Star Wars and Improve fall asleep ten minutes in. Do it. Ten minutes in. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Anyways, they, you won't get too much. But on to album of the week, uh, and this week, explosions in the sky, the wilderness. Ethan, take it away. Yes, indeed. Um, so again, the band is Explosions in the Sky, and the album is titled The Wilderness. Uh, this is the seventh studio album for this post-rock band, which hails from Austin, Texas originally. The band's music is almost exclusively instrumental, and they gained more mainstream appeal after doing the soundtrack for the popular football film Friday Night Lights. In general, the band is rock-oriented, but falls under the post-rock label due to their varied style, which can include space rock, pop, and avant-garde sounds. Uh, Very little is known about the production and recording of this particular album, and in general, the band isn't one whose underpinnings and stories are well covered by news media. Uh, They're just a band who likes to record music and put it out there. Uh, So what did you think about this here album? Well, I like this album. I I have to say, though, that this Explosions in the Sky is probably one of, in my opinion, one of the strangest bands, not in the sense that they make strange music, but just the way that their albums are put together is is very odd. So I really like this album. I think that it if, if you're into instrumental music, which is a big if, uh, you'll really enjoy this album. But I thought this, listening to them ever since, I think the after Friday Night Lights, their the album right after that was, isn't it The World Is Not a Dark and Cold Place? Mm-hmm. Was the World Is Not a Cold, Dark Place. Yeah, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And I think this is their best album since that. I think a lot of people are saying that and, about the... Because they, they kind of were experimenting around a little bit too much and kind of got back to their roots in this album. But overall, it's a it's a nice album to listen to. I'll put it that way. But it's I, I liked it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and like, yeah, like you said, it is a big if, if you're into uh, in, in instrumental music because there are, there are the lack of lyrics and the lack of vocals. are It's going to be a big turnoff for a lot of people. Um, and that's fine. But uh, what I like about this band and this particular album so much is that their songs are so complete and uh, they ha- they move so well from front to end that uh, you don't need vocals in music like this. The way I think I describe the songs on this particular album, the way I, I've thought about them as I was listening to the album uh, a couple of times was that each song on here feels like the soundtrack to a really uh, important moment in a movie or something. Every song on here, to greater or lesser extent, is pretty hard hitting and it's really pretty emotional if you're le- if you want yourself to be taken away by it because there's lots of layers going on here i was really surprised with how much variation was on this album in terms of sounds uh and and everything but yeah they have this sort of rock sensibility but they add these layers to it and it can either be kind of psychedelic and spacey or it can be sort of very kind of an indie rock just straight up more guitar sound but they don't really need vocals, in my opinion, but if you're not into that, it's not going to be for you. But yeah, this album is definitely their best in a while, I think. Yeah, and I think this is a good uh, like entry-level album for people that are, are totally unfamiliar with total instrumental or just, you know, there's no book. But I think in a way, like you said with the layers piece of it, I don't think a single song on this album necessarily needs a vocalist. 
because I think they add that extra element or that extra piece. Because mm-hmm. if you really think about it, most people's uh, opinion of an instrument, true instrumental album is one that's devoid of vocals. So in other words, it was recorded at one point as an instrumental, and then there's another a recording that's with vocals. So I think, I, I really don't think in any way, shape, or form at any, well, maybe not at any point, but I think I don't think they ever really needed uh, a vocal element to, to this, which is amazing that they can pull that off. Absolutely amazing when you think about it in the, in the scheme of music. Right, and uh, you know that that's their their full intention, and I think one of the reasons that works is uh, being an instrumental band is that they are you can tell they're very confident with their songwriting, um, and they're clearly very talented and creative musicians because they do create so many interesting sounds um, and things. And I think just to talk some specific songs because unlike some of their other albums, this album doesn't have any particularly long songs they're all very short well contained and the album flows and a big this is a big plus for me is the album flows beginning to end and it actually almost sort of has a theme to it in that there's a lot of songs and ideas that kind of relate to space in a way which is interesting given the name of the album is the wilderness um I think you can look at space as another type of, of ecosystem. And, well, I mean, that's maybe a bit of a stretch, but another environment, another sort of wild, unpredictable place. And uh, a lot of the song titles and concepts in those songs lend itself to that. But my favorite three songs on here were uh, the second track on here called The Ecstatics, which was sort of a more electronic song for them, which would have been unusual for the band earlier in their career, but like you said, they sort of experimented more in their last couple albums, and they sort of culminated on this one, bringing those elements together. I like that one a lot. It was a nice change of pace from this very epic, brooding uh, intro track. Uh, My my favorite song on here is uh, Disintegration Anxiety. It has sort of an indie rock, almost like, it almost reminded me of like an early Modest Mouse type guitar riff on it. But the way it builds into that, man, every time I was listening to this, I was bobbing my head along, and I was getting lost in it, and it was just so interesting. And then also, uh, I think it was the song right before Disintegration Anxiety was Logic of a Dream, which I think was kind of the most epic song on here. It had the biggest sound. Kind of, I kind of felt like I was watching like a huge sunset on some alien world or something when I was listening to it, and I really, I really liked those three songs, but there really wasn't anything uh, bad on here. I think maybe the last couple of tracks on the album, it maybe kind of got a little bit comfortable in its in its sound but uh for the most part i mean i was really into this album yeah for sure and and i was too and i had the pretty much the same ones i for me a disintegration of, of anxiety it had a, a certain grit to it and again it was one it's almost a case example of how they're able to kind of blend in you know this this concept of having no singing throughout which i think is really foreign to a lot of people yeah so and that's a i think a case by case example but i think the whole album did a good job of being interesting which is really hard to do when you don't have someone screaming lyrics at you or you know something along those lines sure so i I, again i thought this was an easy pretty easy album to follow and again it was it was good Yeah, it's 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 good background music, but it's also really good if you're like working on a project or something because it's it's you can get involved in this music because there's so much going on. But uh, also, I do think in in terms of negatives for me, I do think that in a lot of ways this isn't the most exciting music to listen to because it is so nuanced and it does rely on you kind of falling into the mood of what they're doing here. If it's 
if it misses, it misses big. Uh, and while that, I don't think that happens a lot on here, I don't think this necessarily is an album for a lot of situations. This is really no, no. either something for the background or something you put on and do nothing but listen to yeah. and really think about it and look at the track titles and then listen to the songs and see how maybe the sound is reflected in the title or how the title is reflected in the sound. And uh, so I do think, I mean, it's going to be, not forever. If you need lyrics, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be for you. But even at that, I, I think w- if you've never listened to music like this before, this is a solid album to listen to if you've never heard music like this before because it's not super weird. It's not super out there or experimental. It's actually very melodic. It's very easy to follow, like you said. So I, I, I'm really into it. And it, it touches on a lot of different varieties, too, because when you think about, like, alternative, there's rock elements, there's kind of a, a few, like, kind of emotional or emo feels to it. And there's just a lot of different genres of music, and I, didn't, I forgot totally forgot the electronic element of it, mm-hmm. but those are all there. And that's, I mean, to, this is not easy to do. This is really not easy to do, to make an album that's this relatable, that's has just totally devoid of that vocal element, which is huge. Yeah. It's a huge part of music. For sure. What would you rate it? One to ten. Eight out of ten from me. Uh, everything I said, I, st- I stand by it, buddy. I think it's a it's an engaging, interesting listen. I appreciate an instrumental group being this consistent, being this creative, making songs that are this uh, well rehearsed and contained and uh, as an album it flows flows front to back and there's a couple of tracks on here i really really like so eight out of ten how about you i gave it an 8.3 nice out of out of obviously 10 or 20 well that would change everything that would change the world no but again same same thing really relatable really good um again i i agree with you though i think if you never listen to an instrumental album front to back I, i won't say don't bother but just Maybe try it if it's not for you. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's less than four, 50 minutes. It's I, a short, it's a short album. Yeah, it's not real really long, short. so I mean, it won't, you won't, I hope you don't feel like you wasted your time if you've never listened to anything like this I'm before. never getting that 40 minutes back. Yeah. 40 minutes, yeah. Yeah. So on to our high-priority news items, uh, Radiohead, making a lot of headlines as of late, and they just released their Burn the Witch, which is a stop-motion animated music video. Awesome, weird. Yeah, this was right after they completely erased their presence from the internet. Except for, I think, Wikipedia. I'm Googling Radiohead right now. I do believe it's... Yeah, they they still have a Wikipedia page, but their entire Twitter, Facebook, everything, every post they've ever made was erased. And I read something like they paid some group at a university all this money to have it done, so it's actually erased. But then the next day after they did that, they released this very ominous stop-motion music video with their new song, Burn the Witch, which is, uh, I mean, if you follow, have followed music for the last couple decades, you know, Radiohead is sort of a big deal, and uh, they haven't released a new album in a while, and uh, this song is awesome. I've yeah. listened to it like 10 times today. Man, it's epic. It's It's got this awesome sort of, uh, I like. I, I think I said before, it sort of reminded me of the one Coldplay song, uh, Viva La Vida, I think it's called. But it's kind of got that driving that sounds like a cold play piano title. thing. But then they drop like this weird electronic bass to it. And of course, Tom York's high-pitched kind of whispery vocals come in. And it's just super creepy and weird. And every time I've listened to it, I'm finding new stuff. So 
this is awesome. I'm really yeah. hoping the new album comes out soon too. When I think, again, we, we talk a lot about artists existing on a different plane. I think they're on a whole different planet in terms of how they, you know, process music and put out music. And obviously I think if you ask them what their obsession was, which we will do shortly, but I think their obsession obviously a while back was erasing their internet presence and now they're, they're doing this, but really interesting song, weird music video. Very fitting for Radiohead because they've always been, they've always pulled weird stunts like this um, when they've released new music. Um, but if you haven't looked it up yet, just go to YouTube or whatever. Just Google Radiohead Burn the Witch and watch the video. It's weird. Yeah. It's real creepy. The song is awesome. The song is available to stream on, on streaming services as well. or uh, You can download it there. Uh, I mean, it's great. And it signals the return of one of the biggest bands in the last couple of decades in music. I mean, last week we talked about the passing of Prince. And you know, earlier this year, David Bowie, Merle Haggard, a ton of very high-profile musicians. I think Radiohead is one of those bands that is on that top tier. If you don't care for their music, um, that's fine, but you can't deny it, Radiohead's presence and their their influence in music and pop culture for over a decade now. A long time. Um, so they're back, and that's super exciting. Yeah, so on to obsessions. Ethan, what are you obsessed about? Well, I've been into the Marvel movies, and I've been just fixing my brain on rewatching all of them. And I was—I had it set in my head just a couple of days ago that I was going to rewatch like all twelve movies before I see Civil War. But I've been so busy; I don't have time for like anything. So I've—I just watched Iron Man like the night before we saw Jungle Book, which is funny because they're both directed by John Favreau, but. Uh, yeah, I've been. I mean, even after I see Civil War this weekend, I'm gonna work on rewatching all of them because I, I mean, I I always forget how much I like them and how much fun they are and how um kind of amazing it is that this group of movies exists at all. Yeah. So I've kind of had this reawakening in the back of my mind that like, man, these movies, you know, it's so easy to criticize and complain and say like this, I don't like this, but at the end of the day, you have to sit back and be like, man, all these nerdy superhero movies are out there. How cool is that? Yeah, that's so great. And I had no idea there were twelve of them. That's just Marvel. Yeah, and that's, wow. Because what, it's Iron Man 1, 2, and 3, Avengers 1 and 2, Captain America 1 and 2, Thor 1 and 2, The Incredible Hulk, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Ant-Man. And now the 13th movie. And they have another one coming out later this year, Doctor Strange. Did you know that I think by the end of this year we'll have had, what, four major comic book movies? We had Deadpool, Batman vs. Superman, Captain America Civil War, Okay, we'll have five because then we'll have X Men, Apocalypse, yeah, and Doctor say, Strange. That's what the next time I then one of the wow five. That's amazing. What about Suicide Squad and Suicide Six? Six feature comic book films. How insane is that? Like that, and, and you, you just you have to have a knowledge of where these films have come from to really to understand that because it's it wasn't well, no, always like a it was the thing is is if you think about the origins and film base of these films and then where they've come to, like where they've yeah. gotten to in society where we're like, 
Hell yeah, yeah. Iron it, Man. Because it's so easy to be like, yeah, I'm excited for the new one. And of course, if you don't know about comic book movies, that's no crime too. Six but just to know like wow. how long these characters and comic books have existed since the 60s and to know that it took all this time for them to have the mainstream appeal they do now, it's amazing. And that's why I think that at the end of the day, it's easy to pick favorites, to say, I didn't like this, I didn't like that, I liked this character, I didn't like that. Yeah, you can do that. Of course you can do that. You can say whatever you want. But I've just kind of took a, taken a step back in the last couple of days and been like, wow, man, all these movies are out there and they're all connected. How cool is that? How awesome is that as like a person who likes nerdy crap to be able to, you know, watch all these and they're just there. It's so yeah. cool. It's so awesome. It's so easy to take for granted. So don't do it. Get to it. Wow. That's my obsession now. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> that's crazy. That is, that is nuts to think about. And I, obsessions, I, I don't know. Just blew I, your mind, man. You don't have one? I, I don't really have, I guess to me, my obsession is like warm weather getting here. Oh, let's see. I and see. if anyone out there is listening to this podcast in a warm weather environment where you don't have to worry about winter, that's cool that you live He there. wants to say it I to just, F off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but it's, it, that's, that's what I'm kind of obsessed about. No, that's fair. So that's it. Q. Wild. That episode wild, was wild, bro. Wild, bro. All right, man. Well, that's cool. Next week, Civil War. Yes, we will be talking about Captain America Civil War. We have not picked an album yet, though. Yeah, album is TBD. Theme is TBD. Indeed. So we'll figure that out. And like always, Twitter, Instagram, at Weekly Neurosis. And we're on Google Play. We are. That's we're right. That, you know we're about on that. There. So we're, if you're listening to us from Google Play, tweet at us, and I'll... I don't know what I'll do. I'll do is I'll say something crazy about you. I mean, I okay. Well, you can't because you're sitting here right now. But I mean, if, if you tweet at me, no, if because I'm 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 on I'm checking the the weekly neurosis Twitter like all day every day. So if you tweet, do I'm, we ever get any tweets? Mm, we get some likes and some favorites likes every and now yeah. and then, but no, not really. <laughs> yeah, but if if you're on if you're listening to us on Google Play, I'll I'll shout you out at a minimum. How do you even do that? I don't even know how that works. A shout out? No, I know what a shout out is. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Google Play. How do you is... get on there? You just register. It's a lot. I'll say. I'll say this. Not to knock iTunes. Oh. We're gonna get on there someday. But it's a lot easier. You just click like a few things and they verify. I had to say that yes, we say naughty words. Oh. And that we're a movie entertainment. Subgenre of movies and music huh. podcast. <laughs> uh, your face is hilarious there. <laughs> but no, we got, yeah, that's how we got on there. Pretty cool. easy. It's a lot easier than iTunes when you have to have a certain sized logo and bother and all this stuff. <laughs> that's. Yeah. I'm out of words. I'm tired. Yeah. Man. Both of us are. All right. It's been cool. This is a wild episode. Once again, I'm Nate. And I am Ethan. We are Weekly Neurosis. Everyone, please take care and have a happy Star Wars Day and a happy Cinco de Mayo. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>